Hey everyone, happy Thursday. Welcome back to another episode of Morning Coffee with your host, Rick Alexander. As always, if you get anything out of this show, the best compliment you could give me is to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts, and then also just to share the show with your social media following or anybody that you think the message might resonate with. Today I have a really cool episode to air. I had a conversation with Traver Bohm on the Uncivilized podcast and he does a lot of really cool men's work. This is a guy that is really thought out in his approach to personal development and to living a heartful life would be the best way to probably put it. So we have a really engaging and deep conversation about masculinity in the world today. And of course, uh, for women as well, there's so much here because, you know, we heal in relationship, we heal in containers together, and we have integral roles that we play with each other. And so we get into the masculine feminine dynamic quite a bit in this conversation. I really, really enjoyed having this conversation with Traver. So I will link up all of his work in the show notes of this episode. He's written a book. He's obviously got a podcast and he is always putting on different men's events and retreats and things along those lines. So go support what he's doing. And without further ado, on to the show. Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Traver Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says, no, thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey gang, welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trey Verboom, your host. And today I'm interviewing someone who long distance love bombs, Jeremy Goldberg introduced me to, a gentleman by the name of Rick Alexander. And Rick and I chatted a bit over email and decided that we are both fascinating humans. And so instead of interviewing each other for our respective podcasts, we would just sit down and jam together. And this is an awesome conversation. This is one of those conversations that me as a podcaster was like, man, we could probably go four hours, though we should probably stop this a little over an hour. We talk about myth. We talk about the role of myth in masculinity. We talk about how shunning and getting rid of and and shaming the feminine is really screwing men up. We talk about how men can live deeper lives and can access more truth. Like you really, really want to dive into this one. It fits well with the theme that I have going on in the uncivilized nation, which is the word feel, F-E-E-L. We in the nation break the year down into four parts, fight, fuck, feed, feel. And we repeat that three times. Those are the three sec- or the four sections rather of my book. So really dive into this one. And this is one you may want to listen to a couple times just because I've had to do that or I did that. It was so interesting to me. So ladies and gentlemen, a great conversation with my buddy, Rick Alexander. Gang, welcome to another episode of a combined podcast here. Uh, My name is Traver Bohm, for those of you that don't know me, and my buddy across the table here is Rick Alexander. And we were brought together by our good friend, Dr. Long Distance Love Bombs and was told we have to chat. And so as opposed to interviewing each other, we just decided let's just shoot the shit and record it and see what comes of it. So Rick, welcome to the Uncivilized podcast. And 
I'm happy to be on yours as well. Please let everybody know uh, what the name of it is. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and uh, I guess for being on yeah. my show as well. Uh, <laughs> so my show is called Morning Coffee with Rick Alexander and really dive into exploring. I try to look at being human as if it were an art. I think mm -hmm. we get a lot of rules. We get a lot of structure on how to be here. We're told how to be here. But I think that there's far more nuance than that a lot of people care to admit. When you start to live as if there's an art to everything, you start to realize, wow, there's a lot of me that can be expressed through my lifestyle and the way that I show up and the way that I interact with people. Uh, and it's funny, it seems like we have a lot of inroads in our work together. Like there's a lot of crossroads in our work together uh, yeah. and our work separately. But every time uh, Jeremy Goldberg was like, oh, you got to meet my friend Traver, you look just like, you look just alike. And I'm like, that's the criteria that you think we should meet. So I'm happy to know that there's actually a lot, a lot here. Exactly. I love that when I ask you, what's your podcast about? You're like, well, I don't really know. And, and I've struggled forever. I, I used to just say it's the most interesting people you've probably never heard of. But then I felt bad like bringing in like bigger guests who I was like, you guys have heard of this person. But mm -hmm. it really is the theme of, of how do we not travel the standard podcast circuit and just get your A-list writers and your actors and your politicians. But really like who has a fucking fascinating story? So totally. We're, yeah, we're going to jam on masculinity, on men's stuff. I would love to know a bit about, you wouldn't mind going first of just a bit of your background and kind of what brought you into where you are in the world. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I spent 12 years in the military, um, and like, uh, as a special operations combat medic, which was cool because I got to deploy and work with a ton of different flavors of special forces, um, and really got to know that world. And toward the end of my career, I was an instructor. Um, I was an instructor at the Bud Schoolhouse in California, and I taught land warfare on the East Coast. And, you know, it's interesting, through that work, I found a ton of, uh, you know, my value system changed quite a bit in that time. And so I, I think as our intrinsic values change, we have to make decisions in life that honor those values or we end up in a miserable place. Mm -hmm. um, you got to kind of like listen to that internal constitution. And so as uh, as I was grappling with that, I began to take more instructing jobs, but found that to be really gratifying, like really love to breathe uh, information and knowledge back into people that were that were hungry for it. And that really, I can look back and pinpoint that as opening up a lot in my life. Like I really started, that's when I started to lecture, I started to teach. Um, at the same time, I was getting into entrepreneurialism. And so I owned a supplement company in the in the fitness world. Um, and so the amalgamation of those two things was really um, starting a podcast and and then going around teaching more and talking more. And, and then I started writing. And um, yeah, one of the reasons I had tr trouble figuring out what my podcast is about is I really try to honor spirit in my life. Like I think that spirit kind of transcends categories almost as a birthright. It's formless. And so oftentimes in life, we feel that something within us is like asking us to evolve or move or go somewhere else. And we can spend a lot of time wrestling in that area. And now I'm in a place in life where I'm really surrendering to what that is. And sometimes it's a little bit pre-verbal. It's hard to articulate where you're going. It's like, you know, you're following something and you know, it's deep, but you're not exactly sure how to package that for the world. Yeah, man. I got asked all the time, why did you move to Colorado? And I, my, and I, this is a dead serious answer, even though it gets the like sideways puppy head look, I'm like my stomach told me to come here. And so some people get that. 
right? And some people are like, oh, that makes perfect sense. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't have any connections here. I hadn't lived here, but it was just the, I can't not live here because this is where I'm being told to go. Have you ever, have you always listened to that uh, gut instinct or that internal constitution? Yes and no. Uh, it wasn't until probably five, six years ago where my conventional life fell apart. I had the like the fall and the have to get back up situation and listening to it through the getting back up was the, I guess, check and balance against how do I not end up where I was a year ago, right before everything fell apart. And so, yeah, I, I can say it guided, but I think I gave it a lot more shit for the guidance. Mm. Like I had a very unconventional background of kind of very, a little bit similar. I was in the hyper-masculine world. I was a bodyguard working with a lot of ex-special ops guys. I went and became a professional MMA fighter, owned a CrossFit gym, but yet also had a master's degree in Chinese medicine and was a meditator and was a writer and had this very feminine side. And I struggled, man, forever of how do I bring these two together mm -hmm. as opposed to, and I can literally, I, I remember doing this. It's so clear. It's such like a, a, a clear delineation. I would teach a CrossFit class, screaming at people, you know, Metallica turned up till 10, just like lifting weights and rah, 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 class is over. I would skateboard four blocks away, change my shirt on the way to a button down shirt and then walk into a chiropractor's office where I was doing acupuncture and be like, so tell me about your stress levels. Tell me about, you know, like an yeah. entirely different persona and an entirely different voice. And it felt rather bipolar. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question though, yes, because I didn't graduate from college and follow my friends into the internship and then get into finance and then move to New York city and work for GE Capital or whatever the sort of standard track, I went and became a bodyguard and didn't then go and get a master's degree or get an MBA or go to law school, which was my dad was an attorney. I went to acupuncture school. Hmm. So yeah, I think now more so than ever though, and I, I can tell you that when I get away from listening to my stomach, I feel my life start to not fall apart, but like why am I not sleeping? Why don't I want to eat? Why do I feel like I'm going to throw up? Oh, that's right. I've gotten away from the path that I'm supposed to be on. Yeah, it's interesting how you have these moments on the path, so to speak, where you look back and you realize like, man, there has been something pushing me, guiding me, pushing me into these different uh, areas of life. You you couldn't have possibly, even the ones that felt like mistakes, you couldn't possibly be who you are now without having had gone through those, right? Sure. Um, it, so the reason I ask is a couple reasons. One, I think a lot of people are, that double life, I think a ton of people can relate to. I felt mm -hmm. very much like that in the military as I'm like writing by candlelight and then going to um, teach land warfare. And then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then... Uh, the the other thing about that, that image of like right. probably writing poetry and something beautiful and then like close the book, <laughs> yeah. blow out the candle <laughs> yeah right right put the face on put the mask on good work <laughs> but i bet there's a lot of people that feel they've got some version of that going on in their lives because yeah. you know we're always conditioned to what one what we think is acceptable for us to be and two like how we've learned to 
get validation and belonging and love in the world, we tend to put on that mask, whatever it is, the, the mask we think we have to wear, even though maybe there's something within us that's calling us to a different kind of life. Mm. Um, but the reason I, I ask about that meeting point or whether you were able to listen to your gut is, I think that that's inherently feminine. And I think a lot of men have trouble with that. That intuition is a down and in. That's a that's a feminine energy. That's the contrasexual energy that in, in your own psychology. And I think that oftentimes when we live in those masculine dominated ways and we don't give any sort of life to the feminine aspects of ourselves mm. we end up not being able to listen to ourselves like we feel mm. disconnected from our own lives yeah 100 percent. how many guys do you know and i can name thousands who have an idea or something that they want to do and they're like but it's irrational mm. like literally those words it's yes. not rational and so they don't do it. And you say, but, but your life doesn't look healthy, right? It's also not rational to drink five nights a week or to not be able to express yourself to your partner or to be stuck. Like that doesn't make quote sense, unquote. And so what if you actually did drop down into the feeling state, but you're right. I think it's so foreign mm -hmm. for so many men and so untrustable. And we've been conditioned to like, don't trust your fucking feelings. Right. Like, yeah, don't do that. Or it's been shamed, right? It's like, that's, that's how women operate. You're not, you're, you're a man. You got to do better than that. You hear the words. It's uh it's quite challenging. Do you think that's shifting? I think it's shifting because it has to. Yeah. Like I think the drinking five nights a week, at least in my own life was an untenable solution. Yeah. Um, the question I ask myself is, do I really believe that I have to live how I don't want to live? Like, is that actually mm. what I believe to my core? Must I live this way in which mm. I don't want to live? And it was like, as I started to like really get into self-inquiry, I'm like, that's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous mm -hmm. proposition that I would mm -hmm. be here with this one life and have to put on the mask I didn't want to wear. Mm. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I think that as I think that the dynamic is shifting out of necessity because I think we're we're unsustainable. Yeah, it seems like a lot of guys are actually waking up to just that word. They're like they've they've it's almost like a lot of men set their lives up in a pyramid scheme. They're like, I'm just going to borrow from the future to get through today. And then a little more to get, I just need to get through today. And then I'll, I'll deal with the, the compounding problems that I'm creating. As long as I can stay one step ahead of them, I'm quote successful, unquote. But then they know so many guys who have hit the wall, myself included, or just have an awareness. It's like, it's almost come into the collective male conscious that there's a, there's a different way. Mm-hmm. We won't judge it and say there's a better way, but there's just a different way. I think enough guys have kind of taken a step to the side and go like, well, what if I did try this thing? What if I actually did chase fulfillment as opposed to a new car? What if I <laughs> did allow myself to feel intimacy and that like the feeling like, wow, this actually feels good, no matter how it looks on paper or how much sense it makes or what my friends think about it. Why, why do you think now, as opposed to 10 years ago, is it social media? Is it COVID? Is it just the natural unfolding of, of a evolution of consciousness? I, I do believe that consciousness, I think that the way that consciousness works is it starts in a, it starts in a simple form and it 
it progresses to more complex forms of itself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the natural evolution of consciousness and where we are that we are in the midst mm -hmm. of that happening. And so I think in some ways we're just in this time where we are coming to realize that these one-sided ways of living aren't sustainable and they're also not leading us to more complex forms of consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. um, I also think too, though, I guess just as a man, you think about what the masculine does in the world, like the masculine provides the stability, right? Like, I mean, the energy, not not men, but masculine energy is stability. You actually can't be that when you're trying to live out these, you know, like, I, I wasn't so stable when I had to get drunk to face my life. Like I wasn't, when I didn't have a relationship with my own feminine, meaning I didn't know it at all what I wanted out of my life. I actually couldn't be that for other people either. Actually, instead, I was escaping to live in perpetual fantasy mm -hmm. because my relationship with the feminine was was kind of fucked. And so mm -hmm. um, I think that there we're sort of at a crossroads of a lot of things. And then, too, it's like communication is bridging the East and the Western philosophies a lot. And you think the Western God is up and out and then the Eastern God is down and in. And so mm -hmm. just the the one-sidedness not working and then all of a sudden people getting access to other solutions not that like that's not without its own problems but it's certainly i think creating an environment in which we can like explore what it means to be here in a more encompassing and broad way yeah it's a beautiful explanation i appreciate that and agree one of the god social media is like a devil and a cur and a, and a, and a beauty i think one of the the beauties of it is men now have access to other men who are living a different way. Mm -hmm. And we, we, it feels like, at least in my thought, we model ourselves. So we learn by modeling. I see you do something. I want to do it. If, if I don't see anybody doing it, it's really hard for me to create the model myself unless you're an outlier. And so now suddenly, as opposed to, reading men's health and Iron Man magazine on the toilet, a whole swath of guys are looking at people going, oh, that dude just talked about his feelings. Interesting. He talked about how he used to have to get drunk four nights a week and he didn't know why. And now he knows why. And this is what he did about it. And now he's saying that his whole life is better. This is really interesting. Oh, and I have the ability to just message him and maybe start a conversation. Wow, that's really fascinating. Or wow, he's teaching in my town. Maybe I'll just go pop my head in and I won't commit to anything, but I'll, I'll it's, it's, you're right. It's like, it's created a space for a different conversation. Mm -hmm. One that I think was so overdue. Yeah. And so when you went through your low point in life, like, how did you go about the the process of rebuilding did you was it surrounding yourself with people that you found on the internet was it like what did that look like for you because i think a lot of people are experiencing something similar it's at first to be honest rick i i don't want it to sound fluffy and weird i just felt guided and i would have these downloads i would have these awarenesses i would have these like whispers for lack of a better word where i would literally hear so my, my quick and dirty is that my, um, I was married, had a kid on the way, had a very successful business, lost the pregnancy, the marriage soon followed, the business partnership soon after. And that was a low point, like low, low. 
-hmm. And I remember literally hearing like, hang on, just hang with this for a minute. Like, don't, don't numb this out. And I, I was a drinker. I was the same way. Like a drinker, smoked a lot of dope, was a heavy, heavy porn user, heavy, all the things. I had like your five point avoidance, uh-huh. like starter kit down Full really, really well. Plan, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if one was shut down, there was like four others to get to. And the, the, the voice was literally get rid of all that. See what happens if you just sit in this discomfort it, and here was the, the most important part of the sentence. It was like, it will change you. Mm. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. So I'm going to come out of this different. It's not just sit, hold, survive, and no benefit. It was almost like the universe or God or the divine had a good marketing agent. It was like, don't forget to talk about the benefit. And I was right. like, ooh, I'm going to come out of this different. And so really, I was lost and kind of making it up as I went. There were, there were people I was following on Instagram, but they were more like trauma and, you know, like, how do you get through a crisis? It was, it wasn't so much the, how do you integrate pain into your life? How do you look at trauma? How do you build something that actually has your heart involved? It was more of that. I think was just, I felt like I was on my own for, and this was, you know, five, six years ago. When I look at just how different Instagram alone is, which is my main platform, mm-hmm. um, and how much more information there is, it felt like I was an early adopter of it, but I also may have just not known it was there, right? So maybe a little of yes and. Right, right. How about and you? I, yes, very similar. I was um, getting out of the military and had a whole, you know, you got the whole models of reality of what you think you're going to do with your life. and because of my travel schedule and a bunch of other things, my, my business totally went into the dumps and, and collapsed and my relationship collapsed. And, you know, a blank canvas can be incredible and also terrifying, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I was, you know, nine months before I was getting out of the military with all of a sudden the whole thing, like the reason I was getting out that I told myself um, was all of a sudden gone. And, yeah. I had this moment of like, I was very low, very, very low. So one thing that rock bottom does is it strips away everything that doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and so I looked around in my life and there was like a few things that were left. Like I was still writing every morning and it was like my therapy. And um, I was like, okay, so this matters. And I also had the recognition of like, I've been here before. The stakes haven't been as high, but I've... I'm living a loop right now, some way, for some reason in our culture, we've got this, when you're going through hell, keep going mentality. And I was like, but maybe I should stop and look around and figure out what landed me here. Mm. Like, how am I contributing um, to this situation right now? Because before I could convince myself that I was just happier. Like I, when relationships would fall apart, it was like, oh, I want it anyway. Like I'm but this time I didn't, you know, this time I was like, but I like that life, you know, and I liked having that, all that. And so when all of that fell apart anyway, I realized, man, there's some unconscious mechanism in me that's pulling levers that like I wouldn't choose to pull otherwise. Oh, wow. And that, I think that realization is what at least gave me the thread to start pulling. Um, and that was, again, that was pretty self-guided as well. I also found that that's about the time that I really got into psychology just as a way of understanding my own mess. Um, mm-hmm. 
but but yeah i think it was also a very much like i'm in hell right now and also it feels like maybe it's going somewhere like maybe mm. i need to be like maybe I, I i'm supposed to be here right now and that served as a little bit of a one a guidance system and two just like there's like a pinprick of hope when you accept your mm. suffering i think mm -hmm. in, in zen they call it like the I can't remember, but it's just like they have some phrase for when you like really accept and embrace your own suffering. Mm. You feel in that moment that like there's a tiny like point of well-being that comes through in that. And uh, before that, it was only escape, like mm. only escape my suffering, only convince me that I'm happy. Yeah. It's, if I remember back and, and maybe this was similar, there was almost a relief of like, okay, the house of cards just fell. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Okay, so now I don't have to keep putting cards on top of cards. Then maybe it is time to peel back as many layers as possible and look at, it's like the princess and the pea. Like what's the pea sitting under the 40 mattresses in my life? Like you said, it's like, it's, it couldn't be that. It's the that sense, like, well, it's not that. So let me just keep pushing forward. It was the, okay, let's take a look at the, that. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is the, the end of chasing. It's the end of frantically searching for God, what could it possibly be? And the, like, okay, take a breath, relax, have a seat. It's the thing staring you in the face. <laughs> yeah. It's the one thing you don't want to look at, but it's so prevalent almost that it's, it's the, like, well, it can't be that. Right. It's, it's we're somehow we're blinded to the, the biggest issue of our lives or we've minimized it. Like, ah, my upbringing wasn't that bad, right? Like, right. ah, you know, like a lot, it's this sentence. A lot of people had it a lot worse. Yeah. So, so, how, so how could this possibly be affecting me if I've just minimized it or, or erased it? Why do you think that sitting and that allowance of the pinprick is so hard for men especially? Ooh. Well, I think part of it is quite honestly that we don't have uh, a lot of language to articulate how we're feeling. And so we don't know how to. Yeah. Um, I, I listened to a shame researcher talk one time, not Brene Brown, another guy, he's a neuroscientist, but he was just talking about how like in the mind with these neural pathways, like if you don't use them, you actually do lose them. And so, you know, when you come home every day and someone says, how was your dad says, how was your day? And you say, good. Yeah. And like Fine. that's that. Right. Yeah. And then so you don't have the ability to articulate the nuance. So there's all this internal madness that has no way of finding order within you because you are, mm. you have never given it the life that it's trying to, that it wants. Mm. It's so powerful. I've asked thousands of men, how do you feel? Mm. And when I, especially when I talk to women about this, I'll say they literally don't know. And they, literally can't access that information. Just like I could put you in front of a 500 pound deadlift bar as a female and say, pick it up. I'm like, well, I can't like, well, just try a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah. Like right. The, the strength is in there. You just have to find it. The word it's like we, they, a lot of people tell men like, well, the words are in there and you're right. I feel like we have to almost be trained. I used to do this exercise with, with client, with one-on-one -on -one clients and have them set an alarm every hour, every hour on the hour. And they'd have to message me three feelings just as a practice. 
of like, I'm frustrated, I'm upset, and I'm sad. Mm-hmm. And they were like, bro, that's brilliant. Because a week ago, you were like, I think I just need to stop working so hard. And you're like, <laughs> first of all, the word think just fucked up your whole answer. And not having to work so hard isn't a feeling. Although I understand that it, it leads to feelings. So how, how do you see us navigating this if it's like if we don't have the language and we're you know it's all it's like we're blind how how do we learn to see as men yeah well i found a lot of solace and a lot of i don't want to say answers i just don't even know if there are answers but i found a lot of life in myth and in story mm-hmm. because i find that so so you got to think whenever someone writes anything down they're tra- it's a, they're transferring their essence onto the page. And so when you look at myth and you look at stories, what you're seeing is all of these writers, whoever they were, are you only have your own psychology. And so you have these archetypes that are inside of you. They're, they're spontaneous productions of the human psyche. And so mm. whenever you're writing something down, you're essentially transferring psyche onto the page constantly. Mm. And so then when I started, I, I recently wrote a book using the hero's journey as a way of understanding your own mental wellness. And I, when I started like learning that there's a whole, there's a whole like field of people in depth psychology that spend their time pulling apart myths and trying to figure out what does this mean for the, for the male's journey or the female journey or whatever it is. Um, And so for me, I do like most of my personal development work, quote unquote, now is like, honestly, breaking down fairy tales and and Mm -hmm. reading religious texts and and trying to figure out what that means about me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a way that resonated with me. Um, There's also a really cool app called Mood Meter. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, It didn't resonate a lot with me, but it's, it kind of gives you a way of articulating all the subtle nuances about your own emotional state at any given time. And so you kind of check in with it is basically what you do. And it kind of guides you to give you language about it. Yeah. Um, but I think too, it's really important to, to find things that, that resonate with you. Like the call to adventure really resonated with me. Like that's, mm-hmm. that feels like what my whole life has been. And so there's some part of that that's like, okay, this is, this is the road I'm going to, this is how I'm going to explore these things. Awesome. Um, I, I'd love to dive right back into myth in a second. Uh, first for, for my audience, what's the name of your book? Uh, Ambitious Heroes and Heartache. Okay. Beautiful. I had so the first time I learned about the hero's journey was in the midst of the shitstorm. I went to uh, first of all, I went to two therapists. The first guy made me stare at a fucking pen for like 45 minutes and was like, he'd move the pen and be like, How do you feel? And like, I feel like shit. And then I'm staring at a pen. And like, good. Like 10 minutes later, be like, how do you feel? Like, I feel fucking frustrated that I'm paying you to stare at a pen. He'd be like, amazing. And I left the office and was like, Fuck this guy. And yeah. went and, <laughs> and found a Jungian therapist that someone recommended. And he was the first one to say, have you ever heard of the hero's journey? And I was like, nope, never heard of any of it. Why? How does it help me? And he told me about like essentially where I was on the hero's journey. But to go back to your point about when a writer expresses on the page that they're bringing spirit or they're bringing themselves, they're bringing their own psyche onto the page. He used to have me write down my dreams, which for Jungian people sounds completely normal. For mm-hmm. a CrossFit coach sounded fucking ludicrous, but I did it. And then he told me the story of working with a guy for a year, Rick. And he goes, I had this guy write his dreams down for a year. And finally, at the end of the year, 
the dude comes in and says, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I've made all of these up. This is just complete fabrication. And my therapist said that he told the guy, it doesn't matter. Can't do it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Because, because you made them up, right? So it's still your psyche out on the page. And that's that was a big lesson for me to go, oh, it's you're right. Like, it's my brain or my heart in the creative process that's coming out here. So how valuable. Talk me through or talk the listeners through, if you would, why is myth so important? I agree with you and I'm not questioning. I just, I'd love to hear your take, but why is it so important? And especially for the male animal? Well, I would say in one sense, it, it gives you grounding and like roots, right? Like we're a pretty mythless culture, which is pretty tough on the psyche because there are only a few ways in which we in life can get a sense of meaning, like the subjective sense of meaning. And I would argue that without it, like all of the hard things you're going to go through in your life, which are going to be really tough, they're not going to feel like you're not going to have enough meaning to want to push through them. They're going to feel frivolous. And that's the road to apathy and then nihilism and that's its own hell. So I think that uh, in one sense, so, so there are two ways that we get meaning. The first is that your actions come into alignment with your value system. Right? That's about the main way that this happens. Well, your value system, you could think about as your guide. Like it's when you get a call to adventure, it's coming from your values. Mm. Um, and then the second part is the second way that we find meaning is we find our story nested within the context of a larger story. So we're not this untethered thing that's out in space, just like making it up. We're not just a collision of atoms that are just, which a lot of post enlightenment thought has brought us to. Um, and so what myth does is say like, but maybe there's something deeper than you that's emerging here. It's a lot of, so you got to think too, if you're not nested within a larger story, you take on the burden of being God. Now, you don't notice that you do that and you're not doing it with those words, but you've inflated your ego to be all that there is, right? To be the, the, the thing that has to decide what's right and wrong and what you're supposed to do with your, and all this stuff. And it's a lot of pressure um, that we don't necessarily realize that we're carrying that burden. Oh. And so I think one of the incredible functions of myth that it's always been, it, it teaches us like it gives us a way of making sense of the unfolding of our lives. Mm. That's such a beautiful explanation because how much of the struggle or the suffering is a better word is due to the lack of context. Right? Totally. I remember when that guy told me, this is the hero's journey. This is where you are. It didn't make me suddenly. Okay. Where you don't suffer make, less. Like I didn't make my pain suddenly pain like, less. oh, okay, cool. I'm now I'm happy that I'm getting divorced and my business is falling apart and I, I don't, I'm not going to see my dog. It was none of that, but it went, okay, at least there's a framework for it. At least I can say, okay, I'm a quarter in the way of this, whatever this alchemization process is, and it may get worse, but that's okay. Because when it gets worse, I'm not going to tell myself, well, this is forever. This is the new normal. This is the rest of my life. There's thousands, millions and millions of reps of people going through the same exact process. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Okay. It also, I got to be honest, made me feel not just less alone, but less like I had the classic, 
I'm the only person this has ever happened to. <laughs> right. right? right. <laughs> like the narcissism of like, I'm the first guy on the planet to get divorced. It's happened to no one else. I'm so unique. My pain is so special. Mm-hmm. And it did kind of help to diffuse, I think, the pain to say, like, okay, there's a lot of us going through very similar periods and very similar situations. Why? Ha- and I know I'm asking you a super loaded question. Why have we lost myth in the West? Well, I think part of it is because we're, I mean, that's a great question. I think part of it personally is, and I'd love to hear why you think, um, but I think part of it is that we have dragged our entire world into the realm of rationale. Like we've flattened all of the mystery in life to be like, we've made science God. And so we've we've really taken a lot of, right? Because you get like, okay, so let's go back to this this guy who wrote down all these dreams and made them all up, right? Yeah. Now that's a that's an active imagination experiment right there. Sure. And your active imagination can tell lead you to insights about yourself that like linear realization never could because humanity, life, it's just not a it's not linear like we think that it is. It's not cause and effect like we think it is. Even though we exist on the causal plane, um, not everything, I, I don't believe everything can be explained. And when you do, you're just leaving out a lot of nuance and a lot of life that's trying to emerge. Mm-hmm. And so I think because we are in this post-enlightenment culture, we think that if it can be explained rationally, then that that's what makes it true. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, there's a lot of truth that exists outside of rationale. Sure. You're just not acknowledging it, <laughs> you know, you just don't have a yeah. framework for understanding 100%. it. Um, <laughs> right, right. And so I think that, I, I think that that's a huge part of it. What about you? I think it's the shunning of the feminine, right? If if mm. I look at the imagination, if I look at mystery, if I look at art, if I look at feeling, if I look at anything outside of an Excel spreadsheet, it's the feminine, And so culturally, we've gotten to the point where I'm going to fuck this word up. I can never pronounce it right. It's either epistem or episteme. I think it's epistem. Like what is the the cultural, what is the thing that's so embedded in the culture that you don't even know it's there? And it feels like, especially here in America, that's the pursuit of progress, right? Like I will say, if you came to me and were like, bro, I work seven days a week, 18 hours a day. I don't sleep well. And I'm sick as fuck on some level. I'm going to be like, good for you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're getting after it, right? Like you're a stud. You're a good Growth for you. above everything, above everything. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we have that as the underlying, whatever message of the culture, then we're going to shun anything that isn't directly leading to progress. And so that's why we've gone hyper-rational. That's why we've gone hyper-masculine. The, the pursuit of progress is a hyper-masculine pursuit. And so if someone were to say, hey, but there's this whole other experience of life that's not going to lead you up this imaginary chain of progress, then we shun it and we get rid of it. And we go, that's dumb. That's irrelevant. It's, it's again, it's like less potent of an idea than something I can show you on a graph. Right. Yeah. So I think it's a lot of that, which is why we have so much of the challenge that we have now, right? Just globally, but especially here in the US where it's, you know, you live here in Colorado. We just had another shooting two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We have completely shunned out and removed the idea that feelings have a place in the culture. I know people listening like, wow, you have an ex-Special Forces guy and an ex-MMA fighter talking about the lack of feelings in the culture leading to violence. 
but I, I think that's really where we are, man. And the lack of appreciation for art, the lack of the lack of appreciation for the feminine, let's just call it period, right. is a, a big reason why. But if we, you know, I'll challenge guys who say like, well, myth is just story. I'm like, yeah, but it's the same fucking story across like thousands of cultures. That to me is the same as the Excel spreadsheet that says, follow the linear path. Like if this was just one idea, like, oh, I have this idea of this hero's journey thing and I can only see it in my little world. You'd be like, okay, cool. That's, that's your creation. But if we go, this is across every culture that's ever walked on the planet. There's something more to it. I think that's right. why we could give it more validity then. Totally. And the stories that don't contain it, you don't know about because they didn't resonate and they didn't, they don't have any sort of like draw. They don't have any pull to like your soul. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting because th that became, I became really aware of that during this pandemic because I think a lot of what I was noticing is like a lot of the, what people were talking about is how like awful it was to have a down quarter or to have like a down a couple quarters, right? And like, oh God, recession. And what do we can do to stimulate growth? It's like, so I'm like thinking about it. And I'm like, man, the only thing that grows at all costs is cancer. And that kills the host of its own body. Like the thing that makes its life possible, it kills because it puts growth above every single other thing. And then you look at the world and it's like, man, that is exactly what we're doing here. We are, we are worshiping growth as if that's the ideal. And so, and that, that's actually really well said because that is a, that is a masculine trait, right? The, the pause and the weight is, is much more feminine. And I think a lot of people are, you know, the, the problem is if you're not on the right road, going further isn't helping. And I mm -hmm. think that because we believe that hustle is, is the way that we become successful in this world, we kind of ignore the warning signs that are, you know, it's like all of a sudden life isn't seasonal anymore. Like when we can control everything and we have, we can, everything is about growth. We can control the temperature. We control, there's no more like seasonality to life. And so there's no, there is no winter necessarily anymore where we are hibernating and recouping and figuring it out. And I mean that metaphorically, of course, but I, I just think that we have to, we have to like ask really tough questions about the world we're building because the results we're getting are a direct <laughs> reflection of the world we're building. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Hey folks, hope you're loving this conversation with Rick. I certainly did. I have a small ask for you or from you. If this podcast is helpful to you or if it's supportive in any way, I'm going to ask you to please share it. Or also please go to iTunes, go to Spotify and just take a moment. I, I know this is a pain in the ass to ask, but it really does help grow the podcast. My goal for this year, as you know, is to have Uncivilized be a household name because I know the work that it's doing to shift men. And I know if we get a million men doing this work, we're gonna shift culture. So please hit pause right now, go to whatever platform you're listening to this on, give us a rating. And if you would share this with one person, just one person, thank you so much. All right, back to Rick. And I don't, I don't even think it's archetypal or theoretical where you're saying there's no more winter what is the busiest season of most people's lives it's december it's mm -hmm. like thanksgiving to new year's day is a shit show totally it's like party and event and gathering and have to go shopping and have to set the tree up and all of these social obligations and it really and it's the darkest outside it is the coldest it is when we are supposed to be inside sleeping regenerating the most. sleeping the most how yeah. many people just say well i just have to get through the holidays 
Like that's, that's, that's like, I just have to get through this nap, right? right. Like we, we don't say that. So I, I fully agree with you and, and think of it even more, even physically that we are now, and it's, it's unfortunately, it feels like because we're so hyper-stimulated and because we're so addicted to the hyper-stimulation, you literally have a Red Bull, YouTube, you know, TikTok culture that's just like, give me a boost and make me feel alive and adrenalized for 30 seconds and I'm fucking good. And I'll just repeat that all day long, all day long at the expense of my adrenals, at the expense of my heart. And, and if we look at it in a broader sense, at the expense of the world's adrenals, like we can see personal health issues just mapped culturally and across the world. And I loved how you said it. It's cancer. That was like, Oh shit. Mm. Um, fuck. You're right. We are, we could have used COVID. And I think a lot, a lot of people did, let's say a lot of people did, but a lot of people didn't just say, okay, this is downtime. This is forced downtime, whether it was quote, the universe's way of slowing things down or not the opportunity was there, right? I was going to bring that up when you were talking about your sort of rock bottom moment, how you kind of had this sense of like, okay, there's a little bit of hope here that it doesn't have to be like this. You know, so many people in the pandemic are like trying to go back to the life that they weren't that happy with anyway. And I I was, I found during the, especially during the, the, a lot of the lockdowns at the beginning, I didn't want to add to the noise a lot. Like I didn't put out a lot of podcasts. I just, I felt like a lot of people were talking and no one knew what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. But one thing I was like hopeful for and still am is that, you know, when things collapse, it's like when you, when you break up with this person that you don't want and then you're drunk at 2 AM and you start to text them and call them like, you need the friend that shows you the highlight reel of how unhappy you were. And I was just thinking like, I just hope somebody has that friend. Like you didn't want to go to work. Remember on Monday through Friday where you didn't want to be there. Like stop clamoring back for that. Like let's build something new. <laughs> the angel on your shoulder that, that was there. Like, remember all those fights? Right. Remember all those times when you were unhappy? Yeah. Right. I, I always tell, because I work with a lot of guys who are going through divorces and breakups. I'm like, I say, you don't want her back and you don't want your relationship back. You want the pain to go away. And that is the clearest key to getting mm. that pain to go away. So what if that pain though was a transformational substance? What if it was going to make you different, but the only way to make you different was to you allow it to be there? You not to, just to allow it to be there, not to squash it, not to numb it, not to ignore it. Like what if pain was an actual, I don't know, a substance, like it, it would change you. And I think that as for so many humans in COVID, it has been like, I've been in so much pain of the unknown or mm. pain of the fear of the future or pain of, and, and I'm telling, I'm sure you felt it as as someone on with any degree of presence on social media, just how angry, how emotional, how attacky things have gotten in the last year. Scapegoating. Just terrible, right? I, I, I don't know if I shared this or if I was in another conversation. I spent the last 24 hours, so I did tell you, screw this probably before we started recording, looking at screenshots of just shit I put on my phone and how much of it was fun and light and positive because I have a big social media presence of comments and people DMing me and 
and then it hit about a year ago and how so many of them after have been personal attacks and just angry anger and vitriol and upset and it's i think a lot of people go i'm in so much pain i don't want the new thing that can come out of this pain i want the old thing which i think will make the pain go away mm -hmm. both men and women you know I, I get for a lot of guys it's i was a provider and now i don't know how to be one in this new paradigm so i want to go back to the I'll do the 80 hours a week. I'll do the commute. I'll do the health issues. I, I just don't want to have the discomfort of the unknown. Do you find that there's a process, any process that men specifically can engage in that makes them more familiar and comfortable with the unknown? Hmm. Or did you have one? You know, I realized in my life that was the role that like physical adventure was playing. Um, I, I've done a few, I think, in the intro, intro email with us talking. You were like, oh, we can talk about how I fucking hate running or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is where we are polar opposites. Yeah. Like, so direct twins until the running shoes come out, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, so I, you know, I've done a couple of 200 mile runs. And um, last year I did, uh, I rode my bike from Maine to North Carolina in, in the middle of end of November. So like winter, winter. Wow. And um, it was, it was terrible. And I did it without a map. I, I didn't, every morning I would just get up and like put North Carolina in my GPS with no plan, no nothing, and just head out and like see where it ended up. And like, I ended up in really crazy places like i was like stuck in the woods at 2 a.m in new hampshire and i was like stuck in a blizzard like really thought i was gonna hype out and die on a blizzard in in pennsylvania and so it just you know the the recognition that you never because the thing is you think that you have control like sure. you think that you are you think that all of these models of reality that you've built for yourself on how you're going to be successful give you some sense of control mm -hmm. and one of the things that really sucks about tragedy is like it just pops up and shows you how much control you actually don't have like it 100 their pain sucks but then there's also the like now you don't know how to reconcile reality because it's not what you thought it was mm -hmm. it's like that's half of the the, the battle mm -hmm. and i think putting myself in these unknown situations physically where it was like your back is against the wall there isn't other options here um and for me like i'm never going to be a pro athlete like i know that and so i, I kind of asked myself like why do i do this you know what am i out here for and it was kind of i i started through just sort of reflection and writing about the process realizing that oh because this is how life is like and and i resonate as i said like the the language of call to adventure and stuff like i resonate with that and so for me it was just the realization of I think I believe that how you do one thing is how you do everything. I think a lot of people convince themselves otherwise, but mm. it's not actually true. I think like a lot of people try to mail it in at work and think they like can go home and be like a really good husband. I just, I think that's really much harder. I don't think we have the mental capacity or bandwidth to do that. Okay. And so for me, it was recognizing like, okay, well then what's the part of this that I take with me to every other part of my life. And so for mm. me, it was like poison, the unknown poison chaos and, um, I think psychologically too, just something worth mentioning is your brain is set up to be in the unknown. Like that is how humans have gotten here is 
Like we started with a campsite and a campsite became a town or a village and a village became a city and a city became a state. We concentrically worked our way out mapping the unknown until we understand it. And so that's how we evolve, that we do that intellectually, we do that physically. And so our brain is that way. It's meant to push off into the unknown, to go on this hero's journey. And a lot of the things that we escape with, like porn and alcohol, they're actually just trying to mimic the neurochemistry of what your brain is actually here to do. It's like you get to be, you get to feel like the hero without actually having to go through the underworld and go through the journey. Um, it creates its own hell, but mm. I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but something I think that's I why it's become like, so prevalent. Like 5,000 questions. I'm first of all, I'm still stuck in Maine with the idea that this is something you'd want to do, but <laughs> I've done some wild shit. So I, I get it on that level. So walk me back through just a little bit more slowly, if you would, how using substances or using distraction is our brain's natural state, or it's trying to get us back to our natural state. If you just say one more sentence about that. Yeah. So, so if you look at the way that our mind toggles back and forth between the analytical and the creative aspect of our being, that's the masculine and the feminine, right? The masculine mm -hmm. is that analytical and feminine is chaos. And mm. the thing to understand is in chaos, it's, all potentials are possible. Like yeah. Everything is possible. So potential, so chaos is everything and it's simultaneously nothing at all because it's chaos. And so the way that chaos become, becomes potential is through order and that's the masculine, it's the meeting of the two. And so what happens is we exist in our minds in places that are dominated by one or the other and we feel these unconscious pulls to go into the other. So um, I... I would say that when you get into things like substance abuse, perhaps like that, so when you start drinking alcohol, let's use that as an example, like sure. perhaps you actually do want to loosen your inhibitions. Perhaps you're living so much in this analytical part of your mind that you're not using both aspects. You're not, you're, you're not straddling the masculine feminine line. And so you can't give birth to new things and you do feel stagnant and you do feel like you're under tyranny. And mm. so you find yourself drinking it's it's a classic example of right impulse wrong ritual wow. you're 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 craving this wholeness and you're <clears throat> but unfortunately you're you're trying to get it through um means that aren't serving you i guess yeah okay beautiful i, I think that just as a point is super important of i, I just led this six-week course for a bunch of guys called kill the nice guy and N and the G and nice guy are capitalized. It's not like kill the nice person, mm. but like this, this codependent kind of go with the flow, no matter what he feels weak, attached to the feminine male. People pleaser kind of. People pleaser, like kind of chameleon, doesn't have his own ideas, doesn't stand up for himself, very manipulative behind the scenes because he's not willing to admit he has needs. Mm. And I, on day one, I was like, you guys, there's a reason why, and I was one of them. There's a reason why we all became this. And that reason isn't, isn't bad. It's not, it's not malicious. We didn't set out to be this way. We wanted something that we didn't think we could get any other way. And so I think that's that it's important to have this conversation because I know a lot of men are going to listen to this and a lot of them have shame around, but I do this stuff and I shouldn't. You say, yeah, but if that's the only access point you have to creativity, to relaxation, to the integration of the masculine feminine in your mind, to imagination, then 
yes, there are more skillful ways to do that. And there are ways to do that that don't have the ramifications that alcohol, drugs, porn, sex, exercise, whatever we want to say, have come with them. But at the root, I think we get to free people of the, the guilt and shame that just because I'm doing something that's unskillful or even possibly harmful, that my original intent was to set out and like, fuck my life up. That's why I started drinking. I really love DUIs. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's not the point. And if we can release some of that shame and guilt and perhaps show them, hey, this is what you're really trying to get here. This is what you're really trying to acquire or experience. Uh, then that's more, it's easier to move forward. When, if we talk archetypally around stuff, one of my main teachers, a guy named Robert Masters, and this was so interesting for men to hear when he would say, take a look at your porn, take a look at the porn that you use and now take the sexual charge out of it. What are you watching? And so if you really love, and I'm just throwing the like extreme examples out because guys will get it, mm -hmm. like a guy in a diaper being breastfed by a large woman. If you take the like sex out of it, you're watching like maternal nurturance. Mm. That's probably, that's what you're jerking off to maternal nurturance. So perhaps in order to, instead of like shaming yourself and saying, I shouldn't do this. I know this is fucking up my marriage. I can't do this. I'm a bad person. God hates me. The church hates me saying, okay, how do I seek out and create the access to maternal nurturance that I don't know how to get otherwise? Yes. And I think we can take that overlay and look at so much addiction and so much substance use and go, oh, Wow, I remember smoking pot and being like, this is when I access creative writing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the story I told myself was, in order to be a good writer, I have to be a good pot smoker. And then it wasn't until years of not smoking that I went, holy shit, I actually have access to so much more creativity than I ever thought I did. But, but that uncomfortable middle point of, Miserable. I can't write shit. And I know how to solve this problem, but I can't do that either because that leads to other ramifications. Is that like uncomfortable middle part of the hero's journey where you're going through the trials and tribulations and being like, fuck, I, I, it's, I, it's too far to look back and, it's, and I, don't, I don't see anything ahead of me. This is the dark part. Mm -hmm. When you talk to and people, let's just say not men specifically, what advice do you have around that part? Like when you're in the middle of that bike ride and you're like, I'm, I'm right at the halfway point. So I either have to cycle my ass back to Maine or I have to keep going. How do you help inspire or guide people to keep moving forward? Man, that's tough. Um, <laughs> we just like lob the hard questions. At each, and then if you could just throw in like what might the meaning of life, that'd be great. Right? <laughs> right, right. I think, you know, so I think that I would continue what you were saying a little bit, which is like, okay, so you do, let's say you, you, you do this behavior and you shame yourself, right? Um, now, one thing that you're doing right there is you're actually like disempowering your ability to change it, right? You're projecting the problem outward. So you're saying this is bad, like porn is bad. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if it's porn's fault, then you, you're absolved from having to do something about it. And so at least in my 
at least when I'm at my best, I'm always asking myself, one, how am I contributing to my own pain? Two, mm. what have I done to get myself here? Three, what is this trying to show me? Because this is the difference between, I think, the rational and the imaginary, like we've been talking about throughout this podcast. Like if you drag symptoms of your life into the rational, you end up explaining depression as a chemical imbalance. Mm -hmm. But if you're using myth and imagination, then actually it's pointing you towards something that's off in your life. Like you are off the path. You're being told that in a really massive way. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's that, I think it's the process of active inquiry when I'm in these things mm -hmm. that can be really, really beneficial to ease the pain. Otherwise, like, you'll become a victim of your own narrative. Whatever story you're telling yourself, you'll you'll end up trapped underneath it, I think. And so through inquiry, through questioning the the, the thoughts that you're having, asking yourself, well, is that true? Like, so for here's an example. Have you heard of Byron Katie? Yeah. Okay, so she has yes. the work, right? Yeah. So like, I have to smoke weed to be a writer. So question one is like, is that true? Right. Well, yes, okay, I think that's true. It's like, okay. okay, question two is, can you absolutely know for sure that that's true? Right. Now, if you're really being honest with yourself, you start to realize, yeah, maybe the story I'm telling myself isn't accurate. And in maybe in putting relinquishing that story, you can find out what what is, what's true, what's reality presenting you with. And so for me, it is that active dialogue with self, whether I'm writing or if I'm on an adventure, like if you could print out my thoughts on one of these, like on that 1400 mile bike ride in the winter, like it's mostly questions, you know, <laughs> it's mostly like, it starts of like, what the f am I doing here? But then it progresses to, okay, but I did, some part of me did want to be here and now yeah, I'm in yeah. it. And so what does that mean? Mm, I love it. Do you think though that inquiry is still more of a feminine and not female, but like a feminine idea? Yeah, that's true. I think it probably is, right? I think... Yeah, because if you're talking masculine, you're you're more up and out, and feminine's yeah. more down and in, and inquiry is down and in because you're mm. you're at, you're trying to get to soul, and soul's feminine. So I would say, uh, I don't know, what do you think? I, I think it is, but I think it's yeah, I do I do believe it is. I'll say that, uh, and yet if we're talking to either gender or whoever, that it's a really useful skill to have. And a really useful willingness to have. Right? When I work with people who have a limiting story, I ask the same question, is it true? And then especially with guys, because we're so linear, I'm saying, then is it provable? Mm. And so if the only way you can write creatively is when you're high, then I want to know if there's been one time in your life, one counterexample that you've written something when you weren't high. And if that exists, then your story's fucked. Because we know true, absolute truth can't handle one counterexample. So I, I think that's a more of a blend way for men. But I just want to add back in that the, the inquiry is, is vital. And for men listening to this, hear the words that we're saying. This is, this is like a whole picture. Like you're, you want wholeness. You want to have access to, I, I crunched number. Like yesterday I got my P&L sheet from my accountant. I did not go into a deep mythical inquiry of what the numbers meant. I looked at the fucking numbers and, and added them up and subtracted them. Yet to decide how, how do I take this business to a level that it reaches a million people 
I walk around my house with headphones on, listening to classical music and asking interesting questions. And so that's, and I never were like, man, you're doing this like a chick. Like, no, this is, I want the fucking outcome. And I don't care what I have to do to get the outcome. And it's a valuable tool. It's a valuable skill set. So I, I think it's, I hope people listening to this hear it as the yes and. Mm-hmm. Yes, you, you want to have a linear logical approach to, to certain things. But yet, why are we missing this whole other side of, why are men especially actively choosing to ignore the rich information and the different perspective. I remember that same Jungian psychologist saying, the deeper you go into depression, the deeper you go into the muck, the richer the gems. Mm. Like, Do you not see from a, a very geological standpoint how that would be true? And, and then he like appealed to my rational brain with geology, not mythology. But I was like, holy shit, that actually makes sense. If I'm not willing to go below the surface, I'm not going to get anything but surface answers. Yeah, your example of PL statement and then inquiry with classical music, that's like the perfect example of toggling back and forth between the two because you're, you're humans, you're everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's really well said. I, I thought about that depression idea not depression, but heartbreak. And specifically, um, I think men have a real hard time with heartbreak. I think we don't, one, I think it goes back to, we just don't know how to articulate what the hell we're feeling and it's awful. Um, yeah. The other thing I would say though, too, is whether you're a man or a woman, there's nobody that doesn't want deeper love. You wouldn't expressly mm-hmm. say that you, mm-hmm. everybody does. It's the one eternal goodness that we actually know about. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, like, how's your heart going to expand if it doesn't break open? Like it, mm-hmm. it is the process of getting deeper into life. And, and, and through that, you find more meaning and more depth. And it's, it's even better to be here, though it's worse, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I've heard before that you can only love to the degree to which you could suffer. And I think that's what they're saying. I think you're, that's exactly right. Like you're, you're going downward right now and you're feeling that polarity. And, and that in, that increases your emotional capacity to feel. And so when you learn to, when you find yourself in a place of love, that you'll, that will be mirrored and and the love end. That's so valuable. You're right. It's something like eight out of 10 male suicides come after a breakup or a divorce. Really? Yeah. It's that high. And it's like that specific, right? It's not after a job loss. It's not after the loss of a, a loved one. It's not after an illness. It's after a breakup. And I agree with you that it's, twofold like one we just don't know what to do because there's nothing to do to fix heartbreak yeah okay but like here's your four-point checklist and you're going to feel great tomorrow you literally have to sit in that pregnancy of pain and allow it to birth something new and yet also we don't have language and we don't have support right Mm -hmm. like i remember like the first five guys i told i was getting divorced these were like not my closest friends, but just some acquaintances were like, cool, go fuck someone. Like mm-hmm. that was the literal answer. Like, this is how you get through it. Or like, I remember telling a buddy that, or a, a guy in my gym that I, I wasn't drinking anymore and I was going to be celibate for the, a certain, for a period to feel everything. And he literally said to me, like, you have no friends. Like what kind of fucking friends are around you that would let you quit drinking and quit fucking? Mm. This was an older guy. And I was like, I don't think you get it. 
a yeah, um, different path right now. Yeah, like I don't really want to, I don't want, I don't want to do that to anybody or like unleash myself onto the community in a drunk fashion looking to heal my pain through sex. And two, I don't want to skip this process, hmm. right? I remember other people saying like, are you going to get on antidepressants? I was like, no, I'm getting fucking divorced. I'm supposed to be depressed. I, I don't want to just wake up a year from now out of a foggy haze and be like, ah, skip that. <laughs> right. Awesome. Cool. That was, that was easy. Right. <laughs> and miss all of the lessons that the deep, brilliant, the lessons I'm still using and writing about and talking about and sharing and shaping that were so expensively purchased with pain. Man, that's perfectly put. So, so, okay. So that last thing you said, I think is a, that's a bit of a carrot in itself to get people to want to go through it. Like as a writer myself, I'm like, yeah, that's true. Right. Like the best things I've written have, have definitely been when I've like had the courage to go through those. Um, but for people that are still in that, you know, if you're listening to this or, or interested in this kind of work, there's some, something in the back of your mind that's like, ah, the way I'm navigating this shit's not working, but how do you get people to, to see the value in, in going that route, going the pain route and not the avoidance or the escape route? I think we need to re, it's a great question. I think we need to redefine it, right? The, the reason I have a men's movement is because my first book was about divorce and it was about using, literally it's called like how to use the pain of your breakup or divorce to radically change your life. And shockingly, Rick, men reached out to me over and over and over after reading this book. And mm. my primary background was female. I was like, I was a gym owner and an acupuncturist. So just telling, and this is what they'd say, no one's told me that I can use it. So I think I, I didn't skip that you have to sit in it, but in order to use it, you have to experience it. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to go back to the, how do we get people to do it? We sell the benefit and say, hey, your whole life, will be different in ways that you've always wanted it to be, but never thought it could be only if you're willing. And then here, if we're talking to men to say like, to courageously, bravely, like call in the warrior archetype and just feel that fucking pain. Hmm. And then notice how it's transforming you. Notice how it's transitioning you. Notice how it's like you said, allowing it's blowing you open. It's allowing you to feel life at a, a depth that's richer than you ever have before, right? This thing that you've been fucking chasing the whole time, it's down. It's not up and out. It's down. We, we have the up and out culture. We nailed it. We like, we've gone to Mars. We got, we, we checked the boxes, right? It is the, I don't want to eat more food. I want the food that I eat to be delicious. If you hear that, I don't want more experiences that are cotton candy. I want the experiences that I have to be so full of delicious nutrients that they, I experience them on a, on a level that cotton candy just can't reach, mm. no matter how much of that shit you shove down your throat. And most of us know that after like the first five bites, you're like, I think I'm going to throw up. Right. But yet we go reach out and grasp some more or yeah. try to get a different flavor. So I, I think we need to position it, especially to men, that we've sold men this idea that the surface level boxes are the goal. Mm -hmm. 
And the more boxes, the better. And we haven't sold them the depth. We haven't sold them the richness, which I, I don't know if that's a feminine trait or a masculine trait, or even if it's either. But it's this idea that your life will be, your life experience, not your life, but the experience of you living will be so much more radically rich when you open yourself up to the full spectrum of emotion and experience, hmm. not just the good stuff, not just the surface. And you will come to learn that just like for athletes, right? Like if you take a guy to a gym and say, Hey, I need you to do this hour workout and it's going to suck. And they do it. And you're like, there's no benefit to that. You get, you, you just, you just torture. That's called torture. Mm-hmm. It's literally called torture. But if we say, hey, by the way, you're going to be stronger, faster, you're going to be in better shape, you're going to be healthier. They're like, okay, that was amazing. You almost, your mind shifts to this pain has value. This pain is doing something for me. This pain is changing me. At least, yeah, that's how I think about it. What about you? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's perfectly said. I think that that, so in in myth, that is the grail. Um, mm. That ultimate sense of meaning, that's the grail. And oftentimes, you know, you have these experiences when you're really young, um, at least I did. And I think, I think most men do, they just, it's in different ways, but like where the whole world kind of opens up to you in a, in a moment and that, that you like really glimpse, like what all this is and what you are, but it shuts back up really quickly. And because you don't have the faculties, you haven't gone through the suffering, you haven't gone through the things that allow you to really appreciate it. And so a lot of the ways that men tend to live throughout their life driving really fast and really pushing the boundaries of drugs and sex and all these different things like that's grail hunger like you're trying to get back to that to that depth but you are you are locked out of it because you there's a route there's a there's a journey to get there and you're not going on it and so i think one of the ways that we end up later in life being surrounded by goodness in every direction and absolutely unable to taste it which i think a lot of men experience like they've got the incredible job with the wife and the kids and the house and the things and they're just fucking unhappy and they don't know why like they can't taste any of the goodness around them it's like well they haven't been they haven't gone the route that you just outlined to actually be able to grapple with and appreciate and feel all of that depth you know you don't get to shut yourself out from the bad and then be like, when it's good, I'll experience it. It's like, no, you, you put a wall up and that wall kept everything out. It kept you in, unfortunately. Um, So common, huh? Yeah, I think so. I think in the modern world, it's really common. Yeah. We just don't tell people you don't get to selectively numb. Totally. Like that's, I think if we, we we can leave it at that, that that's what I, I believed. I literally believed that as a very intelligent you know, 38 year old man, I thought, okay, I can make this go away. And, and, but yet still include this other thing. And and that simply wasn't true. Brother, I think we could do this for the next four hours. But uh, (laughs) how do my listeners find more of you, your book, your websites, anything, any of your social media? How do people get more Rick Alexander? Yeah, uh, Rick Alexander underscore on Instagram is where I'm the most active. And I linked up my newest book, Ambitious Heroes and Heartache, is a lot about what we've been talking about today. Um, and so that's probably the best place to do that. And then um, where can people follow along with you and, and support your journey? Brilliant. I'm at Traver Bohm at, uh, on Instagram, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. I do a lot of my work there. For my book, Man Uncivilized, or any of my courses, or, or I have a men's group called The Uncivilized Nation, you can go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book or forward slash nation, or just poke around on the site. A lot of great stuff on there. 
Brother, this has been magic. I think I think we just thrust about six months worth of knowledge into people. And so yeah. I, I really appreciate you. I appreciate Jeremy bringing us together. And I would love to do this again uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, likewise. Such a pleasure. Thank you, brother. Cheers, man. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.